When all is dark and desperate, Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us there's hope with this simple truth. The times that we are in a low spiritual state and overwhelmed by our emotions, we have to refuse to look inward and see no way out. We must look to God who is on the throne and is aware of everything that's going on. I need to be reminded of that. But we must never allow that overwhelming to make us hopeless. Our hope is in Christ Jesus, a living hope. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When pain and misery dominate our lives, how should we respond? How do we best navigate through the darkness? Well, today, Pastor Xavier unpacks the ominous story of King David and the battle and death of his son Absalom and shines some light with hope-filled simple truths for how to respond when life gets bitter and full of despair. Let's listen. 2 Samuel chapter 18, and the message is entitled, Life is Sweet and Bitter. David has fled from Jerusalem with all his loyal subjects as a broken man. For his firstborn, Absalom, is attempting to overthrow him. And what we have before us is the battle between Absalom against his father. A tragic scenario, but it falls into three movements that I think are very instructive to all of us for our lives. The battle and the death of Absalom comes first, 1 through 18. How difficult is this? You're fighting against your own son. In verse 5, the intercession of David for Absalom in view of the battle is given to us here. This was an order, by the way. Look at verse 5. Now the king had uh, commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, Absalom. Notice 7. The army of Absalom was destroyed by the servants of David. It just says that. 20,000 of the rebels fell that day. A great slaughter. Notice the adversary, Absalom, is killed now by Joab, one of the commanders of David here. In verse 9, the odd event that overtook Absalom is interesting. Absalom encounters David's men, and as he rode on his mule, he confronts them, and his head gets caught on the tree by his hair. In 10, one of the men told Joab about Absalom hanging by his head. Joab's got it in for him because, you know, he's got a personal investment in this. Joab rebukes the man for not killing him. Look at verse 11. So Joab said to the man who told him, you, you just saw him? He says, and why did you do not strike him there to the ground? The man said to Joab, though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. Why? He had heard David. Listen, for in our hearing... The king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Very important. So what's going to take place is a direct disobedience to David, like Joab. In verse 14, Joab did not want to lose time. So he becomes impatient with this guy, and he takes three spears uh, in his hand. He thrusts them through Absalom's heart as he hung there on the tree. Now look at the second movement, 19 through 32. 
the battle victory report and the death of Absalom. In 19 through 23, the news of Absalom's death was sent to David. In 19 and 20, Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, asked to announce the news, but Joab said no. Apparently, he was perhaps the messenger of bad news or something. I don't know. Ahimaaz was the same one that took the message to David to cross the Jordan so that Absalom would not overtake him. Uh, Joab ordered the Cushite to take the message, and uh, he took off running. Uh, he was an Ethiopian descendant of Cush, the grandson of Noah, through Ham. And um, he bowed respectfully, and he obeyed, and he ran. And then in verse 22, Ahimaaz kept insisting that, that he run. He was zealous. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, uh, said again to Joab, but, but whatever happens, please let me also run after Cushai. And he was unprepared. So Joab said, why will you run, my son? Since you have no news ready. Ahimaaz continued to insist. He was relentless. But whatever happens, he said, let me run. So he said to him, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plane and outran Cushai. Zoom. Kind of like the roadrunner. Notice in 24, David was waiting anxiously in the city, as you can imagine. And the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes, and he looked, and there was a man running alone. Verse 24 says, The watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, There is another man running alone. And the king says, He also brings news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He's a good man and comes with good news. He's the one that gave him the good news. Remember? To cross the Jordan. Notice 28 through 30. Ahimaaz arrived, but he had inaccurate news. He was courteous. Verse 28, Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord Yahweh your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. So he let him know the victory. But he also was uninformed regarding all that David needed to hear. The king said, is the young man Absalom safe? You can hear the voice trembling. Hoping he wouldn't have to hear the words that he perhaps would have to hear. Ahimaaz has answered, when Joab sent the king's servants and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. What a letdown. You hear you're waiting. And he had run for nothing. And the king said in 30, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Now, that's what he should have done before he ran. We get it backwards most of the time. We run when we should sit, and we're sitting when we should be running. The Cushite then arrived. He had the news of victory. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord and the king, for the Lord Yahweh has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And I think this young man was very compassionate, very sensitive on how he said it. Again, 
It's not so much what we say, it's how we say it that's the most important. And he informs David of Absalom's death. Here are the words that David was hoping he'd never hear. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And so the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you to do harm be like that young man. Oh, like a sword through his heart. The battle victory report and the death of Absalom put an end to the rebellion. Notice the third movement. The last verse of 1833 to verse 8 of 19. The bitter grief of David over the death of Absalom. Tragic scene. The news devastated David. He was immediately affected mentally and physically. Then the king was deeply moved. The phrase means to be trembling and quaking. The reality hit David. My son is dead. He was compelled to be alone at this time. He went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And the news caused David to wish he had died. He expressed this as he went to be alone, by the way. It's very specific. As he went, he said thus, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died in your place, O Absalom, my son, my son. Rebellious son, ready to kill his father. He loved him. We can be so caught up in our emotions for our children that we refuse to acknowledge their evil. We have to be careful. If David would have died, he would have been happier. We're going to see this. But it wouldn't have changed Absalom. Now, God did die for us to change us. He makes the difference, you understand? Dying for Absalom wouldn't have changed Absalom, but God dying for you and me, wretched sinners, there's our hope, our change. That's real change, real hope. The only hope, the only lasting change. David's grievous lament marked his own guilt, as I said, probably in regret over his own sin with Bathsheba and the consequences that came to his family. Though they each had the responsibility, David was responsible. David has suffered a fourfold loss according to the parable of Nathan. Listen, remember what he said. You shall restore fourfold. He told that to David. Remember the one lamb? Here's the fourfold. The death of the baby, Tamar's rape, Amnon, the death of Absalom. David knew it. What a horrible place to be because of your flesh and your own doing. Man. Verse 1 through 4 gives us the lamentation of David for Absalom resulting in confusion to the people. The news of David's mourning for Absalom reached Joab. He's just overwhelmed. He's devastated. So it reaches Joab. Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. Remember, Joab killed Absalom. And remember that Joab is not emotionally attached. He's kind of glad about this. 
But we need people like Joab at times. Though he's a rat in a certain way, he's got certain things, but, but there's situations we need people around like this. You understand? I need people around like that. I need my wife. My wife will sometimes say, come on, get with it. Sometimes I tell her, hey, knock it off. No one's beyond it. The commentary regarding the behavior David has given to us. In verse 2, the people felt guilty because of the way he was conducting himself. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it said that day, the king is grieved for his son. David was sending a mixed message. He's fighting for his kingdom. His kingdom has been victorious, but he's bummed out. Now the people are not being insensitive. It's the king David who's being insensitive. Notice the people felt ashamed. And the people stole back into the city that day as people who are ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. So in other words, as cowards, they should have been celebrating victory. And because of the way the king was conducting himself and looking inward, they just kind of scurried off in shame to the city. Not because of the battle, but because of the king, the leader. Leaders are supposed to lead. And the king cried out with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. The word but marks the lack of awareness by David on how he was affecting the people. The conduct of David was a betrayal to the people at this point. He's totally ignorant about it. The lamentation of David for Absalom was then confronted by Joab. In 5, Joab told David he was ungrateful to the people. First, by shaming the people. Look at verse 5, the beginning. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants. He's the king. By pointing out their accomplishment. He says, Who today have saved your life the life of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubine, David. If it weren't for these people, Absalom would have killed you and your entire house and the kingdom would be gone. He was acting like a traitor in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. See, we're going to defend the terrorists in civil courts. And give them the rights of civil law. Though we have no presence for it in the entire history of the United States. Wow, wow, wow. What does it say? In that you love your enemies and hate your friends? What an insult to our troops and our nation. He was declaring he wished they had been defeated. Listen. For you have declared today that you regard neither prince nor servants. For today, I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. Such a perfect message. And sometimes we need to hear this from our wife, our husband, our children, our friends, whoever it may be. You understand? Look at 7. Joab told David he was to undergird the people. By the way, he commanded David. Now therefore arise, go out and speak comfort to your servants, verse 7. 
and he communicated it by an oath. Don't miss it. If he didn't, they would all abandon him. For I swear by the Lord Yahweh, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. This was not a threat. This was an absolute certainty. And then he communicated the severity of that outcome. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. That's a heck of a lot of evil. David, you think things have been bad. You have no idea. And when we are so self-absorbed, no matter how bad the things are, if we don't wake up and get our eyes on the Lord, things will get a lot worse, and sometimes we cannot reverse them. Wow. Look at it. Joab succeeded in his words to David, thank God. The king, David, took his rightful place as king. Then the king arose and sat at the gate. The gate was the place of judgment to declare the victory. The gate was the place of reigning authority as the victorious ruling king. And the people heard the news. Notice David was pointed out. News starts going around that David's at the gate. He says, and they told all the people saying, there's the king sitting at the gate. Do you realize that sometimes just your presence will make all the difference in the world in a person's life? It should cause you to be so humble that God will use you or me in such a way that just your presence gives a safety, a security, an encouragement because you're godly and you speak truth. David was approached by the people. And so all the people came before the king, for everyone of Israel had fled to his tent. Oh, what a difference it makes when you have someone that people can look to. Now, we look to Christ, but God puts people. And he's put you, man, over your house. He's put you ladies in influence over your children more than your husband at home by the time you spend with them. He has put both of you together to influence other marriages and other people. Where you work, God will use you for good. Job 1.21 says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord Yahweh gave, and the Lord Yahweh takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord Yahweh. Even though you slay me, I will trust in you. Job 13.15. Wow. Now, I... I can receive from this man. You know why? Because he lived it. These are not just words. The times that we are in a low spiritual state and overwhelmed by our emotions, we have to refuse to look inward. We will be completely consumed with ourselves and see no way out. This is the fault of humanism and psychology. It makes you the center of your universe. And you're so overwhelmed and so concerned about yourself, you care about anybody else. And you think everybody owes you. We must look to God who is on the throne and is aware of everything that's going on. I need to be reminded of that. I need to remind myself. I need others to remind me. We must let people exhort us and if need be, rebuke us for our carnality. Now, there's nothing wrong with mourning and grieving 
in certain things. I hope you understand that. But we must never allow that overwhelming to make us hopeless. Our hope is in Christ Jesus, a living hope. Listen to Jeremiah 33, 1 through 3. Moreover, the word of the Lord Yahweh came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh who made it, the Lord Yahweh who formed it and established it, the Lord Yahweh is his name, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah was questioning that God was going to bring him back after captivity, and he wanted him to sell the plot of land. Remember that? And he's doubting here in prison. And then he says, Jeremiah, shut up. You don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. Just call on me. I'll show you some things. 1 Peter 3, 12 through 14. Listen to it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Do you believe that? The greater position we have in life, God's grace will demand of each of us a greater commitment to selflessness in times of personal tragedies, depending where we're at. As a parent, you can suffer the loss of a child or some other thing that you are so overwhelmed that you forget your responsibility to your wife and your children, and you become a detriment to them. You understand? As a business owner, you get so overwhelmed by some little pity things or even some big things, and you forget that there are 25 families that depend on you for their substance, and you get caught up in yourself. As a leader of a nation, you must endure and ignore all opposition to provide the best leadership for the people and in the church and in our homes. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. In the second Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. God will enable us at the time. I need to just prepare myself for that time. You understand? The bitter grief of David over the death of Absalom was betrayal to the people who fought against the rebellion. And so here you have the battle between Absalom against his father David. And these three movements are so instructive for us because this is life. This is reality. The battle and death of Absalom was through selfish rebellion. The battle victory report and death of Absalom put an end to the rebellion. And the bitter Grief of David over the death of Absalom was betrayal to the people who fought against the rebellion. All of us as sinners are like that. Selfish rebellion, that brings the problem. As we're born again, then that rebellion is put down. And when we walk in the flesh, we betray the victory of that work of God. Man, life is sweet and bitter, isn't it? Life isn't fair, but God is good, and He's just, and He's on the throne, and I have to go to the throne every day, every minute, every occasion. No pastor can help me. 
no Christian can help me. First God, then other people can be part of it through God. But it has to be God. Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that drawing on the power of God can help us when life is bitter. More simple truths gleaned from our series in the book of 2 Samuel. Now today's study is simply titled, Life is Sweet and Bitter, and is available on CD upon request for just $4. We'll be sending the complete unedited presentation, including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Life is Sweet and Bitter, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com